Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Pedham here. As always, and of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a 2-1 loss away at the London Stadium at the hands of West Ham United. Yes, the three-game unbeaten run, the three-game clean sheet streak is over. We have to start again. And uh, yeah, it's a... I don't know. I feel a little bit weird about this game. But anyways, let's get over to the guys. Of course, I'm joined by Simon O'Regan and Tom Nightingale, of course. So let's go to Tom first. Uh, a little bit hungover Tom Nightingale, I should say, at least. So if he doesn't make any sense um, alongside a slight clock change here in Canada, uh, we'll blame it on that. But anyways, Tom, how's it going for you? Yeah, if you go to me at any point and I'm, there's a few seconds of silence, it's because I've fallen asleep. Um, yeah, I mean, today's game... I sort of feel wistful about it rather than like frustrated or upset, I think, because i got to be honest, like West Ham, I feel like I say this about a lot of teams, but West Ham are one of those teams that for whatever reason, I'm just never confident against, really. I feel like we don't get that many good results against them. They're always a bit of a nightmare to play against one way or another. And I think so it proved today, really. I think they set up very well to counteract us, like very physical, stifle us in midfield. They were like round Coutinho, like flies all game. Um, but I, I didn't really think, I didn't think we played poorly. You know, I just, we were missing a bit of a spark, weren't we? And um, I, I do think that the better team won today, to be honest. Um, so it's just the only regret I'd really say is, I feel like there were some, maybe some game changing substitutions that were there to be made a bit earlier in the game. But then it's difficult because when we started making substitutions, it was, you know, balanced at nil-nil. So I can understand maybe the hesitancy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the life of a mid-table team, isn't it? You win some, you lose some. Yeah, it's it's a bit annoying. And maybe I'm a little bit no, uh, more annoyed than most. But uh, regardless, I feel like we should have had Danny Raz on this one. Because if we're talking about uh, substitutions and not being happy with it, he would be the man to go to for that. But anyways, let's go to Mr. Simon O'Regan next. Simon, how's it going for you? I hear you're not hungover this time. So congratulations. Uh, thank you. Yeah, not hungover, but off the back of a virus that I picked up on holiday. So, you know, I'm still not at 100%, but, you know, that's that's what you expect from me on this podcast, I think. Um, but, yeah, talking better, disappointing, obviously, to lose. It's, you know, it's never nice, but it's kind of one of those, Tom just said then, mid-table team, you're not going to win every week. West Ham are a good side, and I'm sure as we, uh, as we go on further into the pod, we'll you know, talk about different reasons as to why maybe we've lost this game. But it is it's disappointing, but it's nothing to get, I think, overly concerned or have a meltdown. At. I mean, I've seen like a few little things on Twitter that you always get after defeat with some people being very angry about it. And, you know, maybe that's just the emotion straight after a game. But I think tomorrow morning you sort of look back in it and think, yeah, it's annoying, but it's, re- it's, not, it's not the end of the world. 
No, and um, I, I think we can kind of see the Villa Twitter anger within our uh, three-word reviews. I think there's like 60 or more of them by the time I probably look at them again. So um, up more than usual. So that's usually when Villa lose too. So um, if anything, that uh, shows the sign of the day. I shouldn't say the times, of course, because we did win three on the bounce and concede none. So it's a, it's a bittersweet thing. But Tom, I'll, I'll throw this over your way. I mean, it is disappointing we kind of sit back and we look at it with maybe a few missed opportunities. But when you look at the grand scheme of all Villa playing on Thursday and beating Leeds, of course, West Ham playing in Sevilla on Thursday as well in the Europa round of 16. Um, I mean, you could easily tell this is two sides that looked very leggy, wasn't it? Yeah, you could. Couldn't you? I was, um, I was a bit surprised we didn't make any changes. I know we were saying beforehand, I think on the last part after, after the Leeds game, or was it before? I can't remember. But there was talk about maybe dropping, uh, you know, maybe giving like Ramsey a rest, bringing in Sanson or somebody into midfield, freshen it up a little bit. I did think that something like that might happen. Um, I'm not 100% convinced that that, change, that particular change, for example, would have made much of a difference to the result. Um, I think the key really is that West Ham showed today, for a start, you can see why Gerrard's come out a couple of times and said that like West Ham are... Um, the kind of side that Villa want to emulate. Obviously, they're up there challenging for Europe, but not just that. Like they're obviously every team has its inconsistency, but West Ham are a very solid team. They've been putting the building blocks of progress in place for a few years now. Um, and I think today we sort of saw the difference between us and between them, like between a team like us, who and realistically, there's no way we're going to finish above ninth this season. There's no way that we should finish below about. 13th that's very much our bracket I think and West Ham are you know uh, we say a lot don't we that making the step from 9th to 7th even let alone making the step from 9th to 5th you know it's big is a big jump and I think we saw today um, a couple of things that we're missing you know uh, you put somebody like Declan Rice in our midfield and we win games like that and we climb up the table right uh, he's West Ham so much physicality, central defence and midfield, but also not just that. Like they've got a real couple of players like Rice that they can they can build around. And we've got that maybe with like Coutinho in an attacking sense, but I sort of feel like we don't really have that in the midfield at the moment. I like I like all of McGinn, Ramsey, Louise, but there's nobody in that that you can guarantee every week is going to grab the grab the game by the scruff of the neck and bully you know bully opponents i do think that's what we're missing i don't want to necessarily reopen the defensive midfield debate again but having had three wins in a row where actually we we got away without really having like uh, any type of bruising defensive midfielder because we were able to play through teams and get enough control in the midfield but i think today was another sort of a tick in the column of maybe needing some kind of midfield reinforcement particularly one of those strong players who can carry a game on his shoulders you know yeah i mean the uh in regards to the gate to the defensive midfield topic that gate has no hinges anymore it's been smashed into oblivion so uh it's there if we ever want to bring it up again which i'm sure we will before the end of the season because it's been a staple this season for uh many many a time but 
Simon, I mean the same lineup as we had against Thursday. Um, and I think it's been the same lineup for basically the last few games. Were you surprised at all? I mean, it is a quick turnaround. I think a lot of people thought Morgan Sanson would come in for uh, Jacob Ramsey. You might think Ezri Konza comes in for Callum Chambers, maybe a few little tweaks here and there. But the same lineup, were you surprised at all? I was a little bit, yeah, because I was, I was just, um, when Tom was just talking then, I was looking up and we, I think the home game to Leeds, uh, when we drew 3-3, he played the same lineup in the following game against Newcastle, with the exception of Chambers for Consic, who was suspended. And you can see how lethargic and leggy the team looks. And I thought he may have sort of learned from that three games in the week change things up a bit you, you don't necessarily necessarily need wholesale changes but we've got like a decent squad of players now so you know you, you shouldn't be afraid to sort of rotate it's not not a case of sort of dropping someone because they're not playing well but you, you need to freshen things up from time to time and sort of looking at that West Ham team the point about obviously the defence midfields obviously the last three games you've won you look at the opposition you're playing, like Brighton, Southampton and Leeds, they're, they're not like physically tough sides to play against. They're more sort of nice passing sides. And whereas West Ham, they have that big physical presence in Rice and Suchek in the midfield. And you need, you need something to sort of match up against that. And obviously we, we don't have that in the squad at the moment to rotate it round. But you can sort of negate against that by adding fresh legs into that midfield to yeah to sort of cope with that physicality that they're going to offer. So, yeah, I was I was kind of a bit shocked, really, that, that you didn't see any changes to the starting lineup. I, I get, obviously, when the when it was announced, sort of people saying, well, if you ain't broke, uh, you know, don't fix it. But sort of modern football is not like that, and especially three games in the week. If you've got the squad, you should use it. Yeah, I mean, and we look at our bench, and like I've been saying for a while now, it's probably the strongest bench arguably we've probably ever had. Um, it's it's very frustrating because I kind of thought initially maybe you bring in Sanson, you put Ramsey on the bench, and then maybe bring it on in like the 60th minute when he has a little bit of rest and he can kind of have a little bit of run out and just little tweaks like that. Like I, I didn't think Chambers was all that bad today, to be honest. I mean, could he have probably reacted a little bit quicker to Yarmolenko's goal? Probably. Could he have closed him down quicker? Yes. But it, it's just the fine little margins and these it's these little changes. Like, Tom, I don't know how you feel about this, but I saw this a lot on Twitter and I do agree with it. And I think a lot of people kind of thought when uh, Mikel Antonio went off, and I think there was in the 52nd minute, roughly around there through injury. Of course, Yarmolenko can't come on and it kind of, changed a lot for them they had a lot more kind of impetus a lot more um i guess finesse going for there's a lot more urgency is what i guess i'm trying to say and it changed their dynamic a little bit and i feel like at that point in time maybe villa should have made a little change as well because to be honest i felt like we just fell right in the trap we couldn't even get out of our own area for God knows how long, but uh, what do you make of that in particular? Cause again, it goes with the whole substitution thing and I should kind of put it around this whole thing of Luca Dina going out through injury in the first 10 minutes. So that does take a substitution away, but what do you make of all that? Yeah. I was going to mention the Dina thing as well. Cause it, it does like it, 
must naturally make a manager more cautious to start, you know, more hesitant to start making subs when you've had to use one so early and you've already had to switch. And I mean, with the Dina thing as well, I thought, you know, I do like Young, he's, uh, and I thought he filled in very well. Um, Southampton, was it, when Young and Chambers started? I thought he filled in very well, did a good job. But what I will say today is that I thought that Dina going off early, you know, early, pretty much completely neutralised any threat that we might have posed down the left-hand side. Um, so then already you've lost uh, a, a facet to your game that Gerard likes to place some emphasis on. Um, I agree with Antonio going off. Like I thought it was a chance. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And but that was a chance I think to take the game by the scruff of the neck. Then because he's obviously a key focal point of their team, along probably second only to Rice, I would say. Um, but it's difficult in it because the game was really finely balanced. With hindsight, probably the change that I'd have made is I'd have brought. I thought Bailey did well when he came on. I'd have brought Buendia on earlier because he's got that graft as well. He does track back. He does get stuck in in the midfield. And it's kind of that more of that stuff was what was needed today, I think. Um, so, you know, if you went back and if you could go back and do the game again, I think you'd bring Buendia on at 60 minutes instead of 69, 70 or whenever it was. Um, yeah, but, you know, it's difficult. I just, I, th- I thought we played a lot of nice stuff. You were talking before about... Um, didn't think Chambers really did anything wrong and about we have to talking about maybe thinking about dropping Ramsey. I actually thought Ramsey had a pretty decent game. I, I didn't think today was a case of anybody putting in really like a subpar performance. We weren't great, but we were par for the course, I thought. I think it's just that we didn't really, through a combination of maybe not making proactive substitutions and also just the options that we have in midfield and maybe, the, you know, the elephant in the room, the option that we don't have in midfield, um, I think that was the difference today rather than any sort of substandard performance. Yeah, I just found it a bit odd because when Yarmolenko comes on, basically they're not playing with a center forward. So they basically have four attacking midfielders with two holding and Suchek and Rice. That gives them all the control, all the possession they really want in that midfield and it dictates all the play. So when you sit back and look at that and you think you're coming up against Dougie Louise and McGinn and Ramsey, I mean, the physicality isn't there to cope with all of that work that needs to be done in the midfield. So it's, it's being proactive. It's, I wouldn't call it Jared sitting on his hands and not doing anything about it, but I don't know. And maybe we'll, we'll bring this up a little bit later. Cause I do actually want to ask you guys a quiz question because it is related to West Ham and how crap we are against them. If either of you know, when's the last time we beat West Ham United? Here's the quiz question. If people listening want to uh, get involved as well, tweet us at 7,500 to hold as well. I'm guessing it was a while, while ago. <laughs> yes. It's uh, been a good, good while. I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's it's a pre-relegation. Yeah, since it must be pre yeah. I was going to say it must be pre-relegation, surely. Yeah. yeah. I know, um, I think, in the season with Julio, I think we beat them at their place 2-1. I don't know if you beat them since then. Well, I'll, I'll slide in here with an answer because you guys aren't giving me too much to work with. Um, was it maybe the, the year afterwards? And Did we beat them under McLeish? We actually beat them on, where was it here? Uh, May 9th, 2015. 1-0, um, oh. yes, uh, at Villa Park. Attendance that day was 39,294, if you uh, need to know. Would you want to guess who the goal it. scorer oh, was? Oh, was that? Was it, it wasn't... Um... 
wasn't like Tom Cleverley, was it? It was yeah. Tom Cleverley. Yeah. Yes, it was. I yeah. think Greatish set it up. Yeah, we had a starting lineup that day of Shea given in goal, Akore and Ron Vlaris as center backs, Bakuna and Kieran Richardson as the fullbacks. Oh Ashley Westwood, Tom <laughs> Cleverly, and Fabian Delph in midfield with Nzogbia as the attacking midfielder or winger with Grealish and Christian Benteke. This I this is a perfect time to interject, interject and say, like we said earlier, uh, there's nothing disastrous about losing 2-1 to West Ham today. And hearing that team read out... Um, what seven years later we're a we're a work in progress but my god we've come a long way <laughs> yeah i mean on our bench we had the very own joe or not our very own but the very um slow and aging joe cole at that point as well if anyone remembers mm-hmm. him playing for villa at that point and doing absolutely nothing um scored at, then, he scored up scored at burnley didn't he i think yes i and with, i'm pretty sure we still lost that to be honest <laughs> And more I than likely <laughs> yeah so and i'm not going to go dig that stat out because i really couldn't be asked but uh yeah it's been a while and if i look at it in, t- in its entirety since let's see here since that we've what drawn three and lost five um yeah i'm not going to do the aggregate score because it's not pretty but uh Tom, let's let's get into. I don't want to be too hard again. It's a two-one loss. We just come off three wins on the balance, conceding none. So let's keep that in mind. But bringing on Leon Bailey, and we'll stick with the whole substitution chatter. I mean, I just again, I don't know where he fits into this. I just I feel and I feel bad for him because we bought him for all this money, or the club has. I haven't spent anything. Let's be honest. Um, and you sit there and think, okay, it brings on a bit of urgency and pace, but. Him and McGinn not linking up for that pass puts us 2-0 down with him not even bothering to track back when he's just brought on and could easily do so. So I will hammer a bit for that. Um, and just, I, I don't know. I just don't know how he fits in. But what do you think? Mm. It's, yeah, it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Um, because I think he was signed for a system and a general approach that we no longer play. You know, when we were playing Bertrand Traore out wide was starting most games before he had his started getting into his real injury problems this year. Um, we were playing a lot of, we were playing a lot of, tri- back end of last season, we were playing a lot of Traore and, Traore and El Ghazi on the wings. Gre- uh, and Grealish is a 10 or sometimes Grealish on the wing and Traore on the other wing or whatever. But so we just, you know, we don't play with wingers anymore. And the problem is with Bailey is that Gerard Gerard demands quite a lot from his, from his team. And I think we talked about this on the pod the other week, um, Coutinho, definition of a luxury player, absolute quality, no arguments there at all. You're not going to get a lot of hard graft from Coutinho tracking back. I would Assuming argue, though, that... he's done more than, like, obviously we haven't seen Leon Bailey that much this season, obviously because of injury, but if you consider what we have seen of him and you would consider mm-hmm. if he came on for the last 20 minutes, he'd be running like there's no tomorrow because it's a, it's a short spurt of a game. You should still have a lot of energy. And Coutinho, in my opinion has actually done quite a lot considering how luxury is. Like if you look at some of the players the Premier, that has grace in the Premier League and that don't track back, I don't think he's yeah. that bad though. Just wanted to no, say No, he's that. not he's not that bad. Um but what I will say is like I don't think there's a way with the current midfield options that we have in central midfield. No. I don't think there's a way that we can ever have Coutinho and Bailey uh on the pitch at the same time, certainly not starting in the same team. Because you're going to get you're going to get very little support coming back. Um, I thought Bailey, you know, showed some good moments today. He sh- certainly showed that he has that ex- sort of 
something different in attack, expl- you know, slightly explosive factor or whatever. But it, the second goal was very frustrating. Like he went down very softly looking for a free kick. And then you know, I, I don't like accusing players of being lazy because that itself feels almost lazy. It's quite a lazy thing to say, isn't it? Um, but Bailey, I'm not convinced you're ever going to get the work rate that you want from him, really. Um, it's a great option to have. And today I did think that he improved us once he came on, but then also I thought that um, bringing him on, I can't remember who Brendia came on first. Um, today. Ye- Ooh, yes, I believe so. I'll, I'll look that up quickly as you I talk. Can't remember, I can't remember <laughs> what the, I can't remember who was, what order it was. And who oh, so was Bailey was in the 69th minute for Ings. Brendia came on the 79th for Dougie. Oh, right. So yeah, yeah I, I would have brought, I would definitely have preferred to see Brendia on first um today and the problem is with bringing bailey on you naturally open yourself up a lot more you know it's become i think with bailey on the pitch we become easier to play through um but then we also have that potential difference making ability going forward it's difficult really i don't really see where at the moment certainly i don't really see where or how bailey triore come into the team 20 minute cameos off the bench or whatever. And that's great. But like, it kind of means that you're never really integrating yourself. You're never really going to be in a position where you can play yourself into form or into sharpness. Um, Yeah, it's tricky. So, I mean, unless we change the shape drastically, I can't see people like Bailey starting. I don't, I don't, I doubt I'd be, I think I'd be surprised if Bailey started a game before the end of the season. Well, that's that. That's the thing, because like, and unfortunately, and maybe I'm wrong, and he does play next season a lot, and he stays fit and finds a spot somewhere. But to me, he screams of someone that we're just never getting our money back for, because we bought him for a different system, and I I can't see us switching the whole system just to fit him in. Maybe we're all wrong this summer, and everything changes, and well, it does. Next it, it does. It does depend, I think, on the midfield, like the what happens to the midfield in the summer. Yeah. Like if we sign like a you know pie in the sky like a, I know we've had this debate in the chat but like a Calvin Phillips or <laughs> uh, some kind of midfield anchor player and then you drop I mean you you probably drop Louise don't you if you sign a if you sign a top quality defensive minded midfielder because it's hard to drop Ramsey now I don't think I can't see I can't see Gerard dropping McGinn anytime soon and I think that would be harsh on McGinn. So it's probably it would probably be Louise who steps out if you if you did that, and then that might change things because then if you've got Louise is quite easy to play through, I think for 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 opposing teams. Um, if you've got more steel in the midfield, then maybe you can carry someone like Leon Bailey going forward because you can take more of those risks, running with the ball, dragging people out of position, and then if he doesn't track back, you maybe you know you've got more cover but i mean these are getting ahead getting ahead of ourselves yeah no i just meant in the sense that like for me like if it doesn't unfortunately it's like either you're going to take a massive hit in the market or you're just loaning him out until someone maybe wants to pay a little bit more for him um hopefully it's none of those and it does work out but it is important to mention because as much as we look at the names on the bench and think they can do x y and z um it's not very often we're really having major impacts from the bench on the score sheet, really. And I think that's something that does need to to change really a little bit, but um, we'll have to wait and see. We never know, of course. And now we go into what 
Arsenal, then Wolves and Spurs. And it doesn't really get much easier after that. Um, and we all know what's coming on the final day, as I remind everybody in a negative impact. Um, so we have to kind of keep that in mind. But Simon, I mean, we, we did see Dougie Louise get booted in the face today. So he won't be getting any kisses, as Steven Gerrard has said. Um, poor Alicia Lehman, I must say. Um, so that, that that sucks for them. But I mean, when we, I don't want to bring up the DM thing, but it's like Thomas said, it, it's almost like kind of, I'm not saying we're missing that steal, but it's that no nonsense kind of, you know, what break a play and move it on that we're missing. And albeit I didn't really notice too much of his play today. And that, of course, that being Dougie Louise, but I don't know, like at the end of the day, that's not the only issue in the side, is it? Cause I think Jared came out after and said, we're missing kind of, I wouldn't, wasn't a bit of character. I can't remember the actual exact statement, but Basically, it almost sounded like we're missing kind of that next level high caliber players in certain areas. That's what I got out of it. But what do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, I think there does seem to be a narrative building amongst some Villa fans that if we get a proper quality hold midfielder that you will never lose a game again. It's not just that. It is an aspect of the team that does need improving on. That That's no secret, but it's not going to be like a, a magic wand that's just going to make everything okay. There, there are still certain things that, that we do need to do better. It's one of my biggest frustrations when we don't play well is how slow we move the ball about the pitch. And that's that's not a holding midfield problem. That's the whole team problem. And you know, it's something that I, I think this season with... See the poor start, the managerial change, and two very different styles between Dean Smith and Gerard. I think you sort of got to take this season as almost like an experiment or an audition for the players. Really, I, I think I, I said a few weeks ago that I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bit of an overhaul in the summer of, of some of the players in that squad, and sort of touching on you know the likes of Bailey and Traore. I think it'll be be interesting what happens with them in the summer because I, I think the point that Tom made is a really good one, that sort of 10, 15, 20-minute cameos for them too. It's, it's difficult coming on as a sub anyway, especially a winger, because wingers are always inconsistent, you know, except for the very, very top ones you play for, like City and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think it's, it's a case of we're sort of a work in progress at the moment in this season and... I think the hold midfields, you know, is something that we, we're probably going to mention every single week. Because, you know, like uh, we always mentioned Greenish at the start of the season, missing him. Now it's all we missing the hold midfields. It's There's the know, mention just, today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we might as well get out of the way. It, I know it's, just, it's, like, it's sort of a difficult one to, to sort of judge, especially based on this game, because you've got to remember, like, West Ham are a good team. They, they were close to Champions League football last season. They're still in the mix for top four finish this year. They're going well in Europe. Like they're they're a good team and difficult team to play against. So I don't know if you can read too much into just the ninety minutes today, but there there is there's clearly work to be done at the club. And you know, for all we were saying about West Ham being a being a good team, which they are, like I didn't 
I didn't think there was that much difference in quality today between the two teams. And also it's one of those, again, that like you're talking about, talking about fine margins and moments, right? I know Martinez had a couple of fantastic saves, but that Fabianski save from Ings turning that shot onto the post, you know, it's those, it is those fine margins. And I think maybe like today, um, we're definitely taking strides forward under Gerard and co, but I think a big difference today is managerial experience and, and now I think Moyes won the game for West Ham today. They were very good from the off. Their subs uh, gave us problems to work with, whereas Gerard was a little more conservative and more re- sort of uh, reactive rather than proactive in his subs. And that's the kind of stuff that comes with time. Like one thing I like the look of a lot from Gerard so far is he seems to be a quick learner. We've had a few games now where uh, slight tactical tweaks or substitutions or whatever maybe haven't paid off. Or, you know, we had that thing where we were playing with Dinier and Cash quite early on under Gerard for a while, really bombing forward. And we were, do you remember, we were getting, you know, when we, when we were going through that little down patch, we were just getting overrun in midfield every game. That hasn't happened really in for the last few weeks. Even today, like we weren't, overrun in midfield we were just outmatched by a better midfield I think today um so that's one thing I will say is I have faith in Gerard that Gerard and his staff I think will have learned quite a lot from today he's already said you know he one thing it showed today is we need to be more physical and more imposing and I think that that is the clear lesson to take today I think yeah and the uh these well not the statement but the quote that he put out that I was trying to reference earlier um, he basically just said there was not much in the game. It was decided on a few moments only. What I found out from today is that we need more stature and more profile in this team. And I mean, Tom, when you kind of hear something like that from your manager, to me, that sounds like we need different players and you need high cal- more high caliber players. And I, I guess more of a w- winning mentality. But at the end of the day, and I, I know this isn't so West Ham or lost to West Ham centric, but I, I feel like you know what, it's a two-one loss. How much can we really go over it? Because I think there's more to this. And with the run-in for the rest of the season, it's not really that easy for the most part. But like I said, when you hear that from your manager, what does that make you think? I mean, like, I'm not questioning him, and I'm sure you're not either. But I think it's just, again, it's building everything up for the summer again, which for me at least terrifies me. <laughs> you can also train it to a certain degree, I think. Like, I, I don't we're definitely going to go in for a midfielder of that, of that ilk in the summer. That's, I mean, that much is clear, but it is also something that you can train to a certain extent. I think um, just to be more solid in midfield and to put your stamp on the game a little bit more and, and, and be a bit more physical. Like I, I do think we have a couple of players that we can bring that out in. Like McGinn, I think is probably the most physical midfielder that we have currently. And you wouldn't exactly describe him as like a bruiser, would you? Like, hey, that booty um, is massive. Come on. <laughs> um, but people like, you know, Louise is a good player. He's a good, he's a good footballer. He's a good midfielder. You don't become a Brazilian national without being a good player. And I think he has a lot of attributes that add add to our team. But he just doesn't, for me, grab opponents. Do you know what I mean? And maybe that's something that with a bit more coaching, because he's still young, Louis. How, how old is he? Like 23? You've got an ideal coach manager in Gerard and in the staff to sort of teach you to stand up, and you know, get players to stand up and be counted and uh, 
leave more of a physical imprint on the game. You know, that there is, I think they can coax that out of some play, some of our players. Um, again, it's one of those things that takes time, right? Um, but having, you know, having said that, I just, the midfielder has got to be the number one target in the summer. Because I think if you put Rice, like somebody like Declan Rice, put him in our team today, the team that played today, I think you do, it doesn't fix everything like Simon said, but I think if you put a midfielder like that in our team, you do have a team that can push for Europe at least. And until you get somebody like that in the midfield, like that, that step is going to be very, very hard to take. Yeah, massively. But um, you know what? Let's get over to the three word reviews. Then we'll get over to our match balls slash me of the matches. Cause I do at the very end of this podcast, do want to bring up the whole um, thing that came up this week in regards to Carney Chuckle I know the whole contract thing has been going on for ages and we've probably discussed it several months ago, but it did come up again. Um, and uh, I thought that was an interesting topic. So we'll talk about that quickly at the end. But like I said, let's go over to the three road reviews over on Twitter. You can tweet us at 7,500 Holt post-match. Um, like I always say, the post usually goes up anywhere between five to 15 or so minutes after the game. So do get involved. It's good fun to, uh, read through these and there's often some good interaction between followers as well. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a good laugh. But anyways, we'll start off with 7,500 Holtz own Phil Vogel saying a better team one. Um, let's go to Rob G start speedy players. Our very own Tom Nightingale saying disappointing, not disastrous. Uh, Shendo AVFC best team one uh, Stuart Charles hammers strong team um someone wrote a paragraph so i cannot read that because that is way more than three words so sorry to you uh mr p i see you're back so you're clearly not uh annoyed that i mispronounced your name last time so thanks and if you didn't listen and you're listening now don't go back and check it anyways um he said didn't what did he say didn't quite quite click if i could read um, apologies there uh barry robertson saying poor game management anyways let's go to uh richard edwards midfield looked fucked <laughs> um paul saying on to arsenal and then we'll do two more here 1874 saying not there yet and let's go on to the very bottom here and go to Aston Lion 1874 change sometimes helps. And we all know what that is referencing substitutions, tactical changes, yada, yada, yada. But anyways, Simon, three word re- review, please. Oh, God, you put me on the spot there. <laughs> um, a little frustrating. Fair enough. Shame to lose it, but. I don't even think, you know, it takes the wind out of our sails a little bit and takes away some of our momentum, but I don't, it's not a defeat that's going to still be bothering me by like Wednesday or Thursday. Do you know what I mean? It's not going to be one of those. I don't think that sticks in the mind and and drags you down all week like some defeats do. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm struggling to think of one now and I feel like I have to do one. So I'll just say another clean sheet, please. I'll put clean sheet as a word together. So that, that'll be terrible. I panic. Anyways, everyone can enjoy my terrible three word review and you can make fun of me, but uh, email us 70. Wow. Holtcast at gmail.com. I deal with too many emails. Jesus. Anyways, um, let's get on to our man of the match slash match ball. Simon, I'll come right back to you. Who would you give yours to? Um, I'll go Jacob Ramsey. He scored a lovely goal and sort of had a couple of moments where 
tried to make a few things happen. So, yeah, like, sort of like Tom said earlier, no no one was like actually terrible today. No one really stood out either. So just, just for the lovely goal, I'll, I'll go for Ramsey. Fair enough. Tom, how about you? It was, wasn't it? It was a game full of sort of, I don't know what you how you rated the players in your in your post-match call, but it was uh, felt like a performance full of sixes and sevens out of ten, didn't it, really? Um, I did think Ramsey was good. I'll, to pick somebody else, I'd probably... Do you know what? I might go with... Um, I think I might actually go with Callum Chambers because I thought he... I didn't think he was exceptional today, but I thought he was very solid and he's very composed for somebody who's only just come into the team um, and hasn't really had the time to build up much of an understanding and everything. You can... Really, he's he's surprised me so far with the level of quality and composure that he has. I suppose it comes from, um, you know, I think Arsene Wenger took him from South Southampton's academy, I think, and you know he's played Champions League football for them. And having watched him for a few games now, you you can understand why both of those things really. You can see that influence in him. So I didn't didn't think anybody was spectacular, but I'll give it Chambers because he's he's had a good few games hasn't he and i'm just i'm pleased that he's making such an impact already for such a such a cheap investment and such an opportunistic signing for us in january well you might not like me because i gave him a five and a half out of ten uh, <laughs> it, it's again it, it's a game that was like some like you literally had fives fives and a half six six and a half and sevens actually i think there was only one seven i gave and that was jacob ramsey or oh, no emmy martin is too to be honest he yeah, had no, martin, he had, martin is a good one as well yeah, yeah. He had honestly, no chance in either goal, but if Brendia had been on the pitch for a bit longer and continued in the same vein, I'd have genuinely given it to Brendia. If he'd have played half an hour and played the half an hour like he played the eleven minutes or whatever, how long did you say he was on for? Not very long. Yeah, because I thought he came on and we looked we looked a lot better with him on. Um, and he's got to be one who's thinking. You know, I like I, I like Brendia a lot because he does seem to give his all for the team and he seems like a real team player. But it'd be interesting to, I'd love to sort of be the fly on the wall with Brendier at the moment and how he's feeling. Because, you know, he'd got, he just got to that point where he'd established himself as our, probably our chief creative threat. And obviously now I think he's competing with the combination of Coutinho and Ings for a spot. Um, he's going to have to be patient, I think. But I, I, think we, I think we might see him starting again soon. Maybe tweak it and go back to the two number 10s or something, you know. You, you sort of think that, because of the physicality of West Ham, and okay, Buendia is not the most physically imposing, but he does get stuck in. With hindsight, probably would have been better off starting him than Coutinho today. Now, obviously, Coutinho is an outstanding footballer and has been brilliant the last few weeks. So, you know, if he'd have dropped in for Buendia, I think there'd have been an absolute meltdown on on Twitter beforehand. But you kind of you look back now and you think, would that have been? a better option i don't know yeah it's 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 really tough because i mean he does come on and he bulldozes right through uh kurt zuma insert animal noise here you can figure that out for yourself um that was very mature of me but anyways um i don't know like in a game where you want more physicality it's so weird to think that emmy buendia probably had the most well aside from dougie louise getting kicked in the face um probably had one of the most physical moments of the game and dispossessing him so convincingly. A, I was very frustrated because I thought he was going to shoot, uh, shoot first time and didn't. And of course, from the camera angle, you can't see Jacob Ramsey kind of running into space. But I just think it's a missed opportunity, to be honest. I feel like if you would have given him another 15, 20 minutes, to be honest, I wouldn't be shocked if this we're talking about this game and it is too all because 
for the last, I don't know, 15 or so minutes, I thought we were kind of all over them. Maybe not in the best spells of possession, but it was definitely there. But um, anyways, I'm going to go with <laughs> MV Martinez as my uh, man of the match. Um, like I said, he's conceded two goals, didn't have a chance on either. Um, but that save on Zuma was fantastic. And for being so close to have quick reactions like that, um, keep in mind, Craig Dawson did miss an absolute sitter um, after that, in my opinion. But um, I mean, I think he had to make like something like four saves. And if you look at, I think the last three games being all wins, I, I think he's made maybe four saves collectively, if that. So um, a busier day at the office. And I'm sure he's going to have to do that little extra in training to get used to having a few more shots, unless we somehow don't concede any for the next five and he faces no shots for some reason. But uh, anyways, let's get on to uh, Mr. Kearney Chukwameka. We'll make this a quick little chat, but of course we've seen it come out from, I think it was the athletic everyone's basically been talking about it. Um, Basically his contract's going to be decided in the summer. If he is going to extend it from the sounds of it, Um, Simon, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, I feel like, I feel like some people and maybe me included at times think you're still young. You have to earn it. That kind of traditional mentality. But at some point you also do have to kind of take in maybe what he wants to do in like, not in life, but what he wants out of life and what he wants out of his career as well. But where do you sit with all of it? I can kind of see both sides of it, really. I mean, like you say, you kind of, you've got to earn sort of your place in, in the squads and like earn the new contracts and stuff like that. But I I do get from his point of view, he's not getting much game time at all. And I think the start of the season, I think he was told that he would get some. Obviously, there's been a managerial change since then. But you kind of, you think from his point of view, if he's not playing football and he doesn't think that he's going to get sort of a pathway into the team. I, I can understand why he'd want to wait until the summer and assess his options and, and see what's out there. Like, it's, it's one of those where I don't think either party is in the wrong, really. Um, I think, obviously, the club, from what Gerard said, I think it's pretty obvious that he would be keen for him to stay and wants him to sign a new deal. And I'm not saying that you you just give him loads of minutes on the pitch ju- just for the sake of it to, to try and get him to do that. But there there does need to be like a sort of an incentive for him to do that with, you know, minutes here or there. There's certain games like you sort of think the um, Southampton game, I'm not sure, was he on the bench for that Southampton game? I can't remember. I he missed. He's on today's bench though. I did see him yeah. out of the tunnel on the camera. I think he, he was definitely on the bench for the Leeds game. And that's one where you think, okay, you're 3-0 up with sort of 10 minutes to go. Could you chuck him on for those five or 10 minutes there? Like, that's the type of game where you can maybe give him some minutes where there's no real pressure on him. Um, yeah, it's a tricky one. I've, I've got a feeling that that will probably lose him in the summer and in a few years' time. I don't know, I've just got a feeling that in a few years we'll be looking back thinking, God, we've we missed out there. But... I don't know. It's, it's an awkward one. Like I say, it's one of those where I don't think either party's in the wrong, really. But I just, I don't really know. I know how you play it out from here. I, I don't know. I don't know what the right solution is to this. I, like, I agree, really. And there's a lot of a lot of fans, as you'd expect. And it's an understandable reaction. A lot of fans being like, well, you know, if he doesn't want to be here, then let's get rid of him. And like, that's a fair argument, except for the fact that he hasn't, he hasn't said that he doesn't want to be here. It's not about 
it's not about not wanting to be at Villa or not wanting to stay. It's about assessing his options. Like I, I think he's entirely, I think it's, I agree. I can see both sides, but I think it's entirely fair enough that he wants to wait until the summer and see what's up. Because unless we sell one of our, taking Chuck Maker out the picture for a second, unless we sell another midfielder in the summer, you got to look at the summer and we're going to have new number six and Nakamba as your two sort of real midfield anchors. And you're going to have that bringing in a defensive midfielder and Nakamba coming back probably pushes Louise forward to be considered as a number eight where he wants to be considered. So then in a number eight role where you'd feasibly be looking at playing Chuck Wimaker, whether he plays as a number eight or even slightly further forward, maybe even as a 10, like suddenly then you're going to have, you know, McGinn, Louise, Ramsey, Sanson, they go to tens, you've got, you know, Buendia, you've got Coutinho. He's going to be, that's that puts him what, like fifth on the list, just looking at the number eight position. He's, you know, there's four people ahead of him, three people ahead of him, four people ahead of him. Um, no, four, yeah, Sanson. Um, so, and the thing I think about Chukwemeka really is that he's clearly very talented. I agree completely that if he does, if he does leave, I do think we'll be looking back on it in a few years and being like, we should never have let him leave. You know, if you look at things in the, in that sort of black and white, uh, that black and white approach, because he's clearly got a lot of talent. But I also think that I genuinely think he could leave us in the summer and he could move to team a team who on paper are better than us, probably abroad. Something like a German team in the Europa League, maybe even a lower Champions League German team. And I think he could move to a team like that and get more minutes for them than he's getting for us now. I don't think that's beyond the realms of possibility because it's not necessarily about, oh, if you move to a club who are in Europe they're there and, and you might consider better than Villa, that means he's not going to play more than he would play at us because it, it's a situation, right? We've got a lot of midfielders and I know we're still talking about, hey, we want to sign a midfielder, but that's not in Chuck Wimaker's position, right? That's number, that's a number six. Um, we've got a lot of midfielders. Um he could easily go to a team who are on paper a higher standard than us, who are a bit lighter in the midfield department, go there and play 15, 20 games a season as a mixture of a start starter and a substitute. I don't think that's that's unfair to suggest. And so when you look at it that way, it's kind of fair enough that you might want to assess those options rather than spend another year where, you know, you'd hope if he stays here, then by the second half of next season, say he's maybe in contention for a regular starting place if he carries on. But is he prepared to wait that long when there might be something better on the table for him right now? It is difficult because then the flip side of that is that what, what's the stat? Like he's the youngest, I can't remember what the stat is. He's one of the youngest starters in a top in one of in the top five European leagues this season or something. Like we've given him a we have given him a, a lot considering where he was like a year ago, you know. So I can understand that side of it as well. Like, well, just be patient. Like, what more do you want from us at this point? But um it's his career to do with as he pleases. And I'd love him to stay and sign a new deal, but I could understand him going, I have to say. See, I kind of, I think about it in terms of, I feel like he's a little unlucky because if Nakamba, in my mind, if Nakamba never gets hurt, you then have Dougie Louise probably moving up to more of a central mid. So you're competing with uh, McGinn and Ramsey and Sanson with, Dougie being the backup for Nakamba if you need to rotate. So then that adds another person to the bench. Well, who does that probably take from the bench? Carney Chokameka. So does he then go out on loan? And I feel like we've missed that opportunity to take him out somewhere and give him some game time. And I feel like he's stuck in this spot right now where, well, 
we couldn't because then we don't have enough cover. And if he does go and he tears it up, maybe at this point with this contract running down, then he's not happy. And I don't know, depending on where the club is and who he would have joined, maybe he thought it works out better there. So it's, it's a really weird one because again, <laughs> I, I know we say that nowadays Villa are getting much better with prospects and youth players and young talent. I don't know. I just feel like, again, this is <laughs> we're in that kind of circle again. It's going to happen from time to time. Nothing always goes your way or goes your way, I should say. Um, it's just it's a really weird one for me. And as much as people can say, well, just sign the damn thing and then you can loan him out next season if it doesn't work out. But again, you have to kind of respect what he wants to do. And to be honest, I could see him at a side like a Dortmund or something like that and where their whole philosophy is working around players like that and giving them the game time in, in a league where you can afford more mistakes because every game has like at least like three or four goals in it as a minimum, it feels like. Um, so I, I think that kind of gives more of a leeway. But I mean, Simon, let's be honest, if he does go, we're not going to be like that other club down the road and we're not going to immortalize his shirt number and all that kind of crap, are we? <laughs> I mean, I, I was thinking we should probably rename the whole ends after him, but uh... <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, and also the point, I suppose, like if, if we do lose him, it'll be disappointing, but let's be honest, it's not like we're short of very talented players in our academy. So, you know, it's, it's one of those that we'd all, I think most people would like him to stay because you can see the potential there, but if he goes, you know, it's, it's a shame, but that's that's football. You know, these things happen. And as you know, we've, as I said, we've, we've got plenty of other good youngsters, you know, the likes of Archer and Village in Bidet, so doing very well out on loan. do agree with the point you made that I think we probably should have sent him out on loan in January, like like we did um, with those two that I just mentioned there. Maybe that, that could have been beneficial because he's... I mean, obviously, he's still very young. He's well, only eighteen, but he should he should be playing. I think regular men's football now because there's no point in him playing with the twenty threes. We saw last season; he's far beyond that level. Um, so you kind of it almost feels like this bit of a wasted season, and I think he'll feel that as well. Like they, you know, he, he maybe would have been better off at the start of the season sending him out on loan to the Championship club, and that would have been maybe a more sort of beneficial pathway for his development. I, I think I think that's probably, yeah, like a big thing for him is that he's probably looking, thinking I've, I've wasted the season here, like at a crucial stage of his development. And I think, um, I think he's probably wanting to hear some more convincing stuff from the club in order to keep him here. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, again, we say he's so young. So, I mean, you still have a lot of career ahead of you and it's literally just beginning, but it is a weird one. And to be honest, I mean, I, I, I'm very excited to see what happens. And if, if he does stay, then brilliant, because I think he does have a massive future here. Um, but again, you bring up the likes of Cameron Archer, who's I can't remember his goal tally for Preston North End already, but it's something actually ridiculous. Um, I'm probably most excited for him, to be honest. And I would not be shocked if he's I don't know, maybe if next season's still a little too early, but within the next season or two, I think he'll be banging them in for us quite regularly because there's something special there. It's interesting about the like Chuck, Chuck Maker as well. Like I see, I do see Simon's point about him, you know, might consider it 
something of a wasted season. But like it just it, it shows how far he's come in such a short space of time that we're saying that. Because like last year he made a couple of appearances in the first team and that was it. This season, you know, looking up, he's played played eleven times for us in the first team. Nine of those in the Premier League, like that's a big that's a for an eighteen year old. You know, you look at it, that, that's a pretty it's an exponential increase in in appearances, and so it's difficult because I can understand the perspective that he might have. That it's like a bit of a wasted season. I'm just kicking around sitting on the bench or whatever. But like at the same time, he's on he's on a better path than you know somebody like Jacob Ramsey was I think at the age of 18 pretty sure he's played more than Ramsey had by that point um I know Ramsey's just a pertinent example isn't he because he's the one from the academy and the team now who's starring in, in the first team um I do agree I think maybe January with hindsight if you could do it again you might well loan him out in January because you could see you could see Chuck Romaker loaning him out to like a decent championship club plopping him in their midfield and him standing out. You know, I I, I think he'd, he could have had a sort of Cameron Archer-esque impact, impact, obviously not necessarily in the goal tally, but, you know, being a player that his loan team build around, which is what Archer seems to be now for Preston. So that might be a bit of a missed opportunity. Um, but then, you know, the flip side of that could be if we'd have loaned him out in January and he'd starred for somebody, does it then make it more likely for him to seek a move away? Because then he, you know, he does seem to be the kind of young player who has got grand ideas for his career. Do you know what I mean? I don't, he doesn't, he's, I don't think he's the most reserved or modest of players. I don't necessarily mean that in a bad thing, in a bad way. I think he knows that he has a high ceiling, but then that becomes difficult to manage, doesn't it? Young players like that who have stood out at every level and have been told at every level, you know, you're a really good player at this level becomes really difficult to manage the ego as well as managing the game time. Like there's a lot of factors at play. Yeah. I mean, my favorite are the ones that uh, still play like uh, recreational and they think they're like the next God and they're like in their mid twenties and I think, yeah, you're uh, you're well past your expiry date. But anyways, um, shout out to those people. Cause I think everybody knows one of those or has played with or against one of those. But uh, the one stat I did want to read that I found on Twitter and it was from um Aston Villa Stato. Um, it says Jacob Ramsey, who is only 20 years old, has scored six Premier League goals for Aston Villa this season. The only player to score more for the villains in the Premier League before turning 21 are um, one with 13 goals and one with 11. I'll let you guys try to fill those in as another little q and I saw <laughs> it earlier. So uh... Okay, well, yes. Simon, can you fill it in? I saw it earlier as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you know what, Simon, you say one, Tom, you say the other. There you go. Luke Moore. And uh, Gabby, wasn't it? Yeah, good old Gabby. <laughs> as good Tom Gabby. looks down. <laughs> good, uh, old we... me- good old media savvy Gabby Agbon Lahore. Yeah, well, that, that could be another episode. Um, unless he wants to come on and have a chat, then um, I'll, I'll let Tom lead that one. Because um, he probably would not like me, but anyways, we'll we'll leave it at that. But uh, thank you very much to Simon and Tom for joining me. I think we'll wrap it up there. We've definitely went on for more than long enough. We should be back um, Thursday morning or Friday morning with a preview pod with a an Arsenal uh, podcast to look ahead to that game next weekend. So lots of stuff coming up. Of course, check out the site seventy five hundred Holt for all your post match fixings. But uh, anyways, we'll leave it there. And don't forget, up the villa.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.